you doing? It's good to be here, amen? Even with my son. I can tell you some things about him. But I'd like him to stay here a little longer. I want to call your attention to just one verse. I don't often preach topical sermons, but this topic is so essential. If you want to have a Christian life that's going to be used by God, you're going to experience all that God has for you. This verse uh, will help us get to that point in our lives. There's a lot of things churches can do without. We don't need, we're, we're glad to have nice buildings, amen? But we don't need nice buildings. Glad to have comfortable chairs, but we don't need comfortable chairs. Glad to be able to pay our bills, amen? <laughs> but what is asked for in this verse is the greatest need of the church. Nothing greater than this need. In the 11th chapter of the book of Luke, his Christ is there and his disciples come to him and make one request. It says this, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, listen very carefully to this, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Of course, then, the, what the world calls the Lord's Prayer is really just a way for God to share with his disciples the contents of, their, of a prayer that would be spoken to God. But in this passage, the greatest question ever asked was asked by these disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer brings to your life a life of intercession. It opens to you God's inexhaustible resources. It drives you to importunity and it teaches us the great and overwhelming importance of converse with God. 
We can talk to God. Let me say that again. We can talk to God. Ian Bounds said this. A ministry may be very thoughtful. But without prayer, it's useless. The preacher may secure fame and popularity without prayer. The whole machinery of the preacher's life and work may be run without the oil of prayer or with scarcely enough to grease one cog. But no ministry can be spiritual, securing holiness in the preacher and in his people without prayer being made an evident and controlling force in the church. Spurgeon said this, prayer, saintly prayer, is instantly noticed in heaven. Wherever there's a heart with sorrow or a lip quivering with agony or deep groans of sadness, the heart of God is open. Thomas Paxson said, prayer is the first, he's speaking to a group of young preachers, he said this, prayer is the first, second, and third thing essential for prayer. John Rice called prayer, asking and receiving. Andrew Murray said, in his book, The Prayer Life, that without prayer, we have no power. Andrew Murray was speaking to a group of preachers, 300. Before he spoke, he asked this question. Listen very carefully. All of you who pray, this is a group of preachers, all of you who pray at least 30 minutes a day, raise your hand. A few hands went up. All of you who pray 15 minutes a day, he said, would you slip your hands up also? About half the crowd's hands went up. Then he said, all you who pray five minutes a day, five minutes a day, please raise your hand. The rest of the hands went up. He presented his message and after the message, a pastor came to him and said this, I don't even pray five minutes a day. He said, I'm afraid it's a terrible revelation of how little time I spend with God. How much time do you spend with God? Do you really spend with God? 
30 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes. This morning I want to speak on prayer and give you three essentials of a powerful prayer life. Three things that I think are necessary in a prayer life that's going to be powerful, life-changing, motivating for you. You turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22, the Bible says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Amen? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. All God's people said. You believe that? Was he just speaking metaphorically? He was just making this exaggerated statement. Not if you have faith in God. The next verse says, Therefore I say unto you, these disciples, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. It's called faith. We need faith to pray. They're just not forming words or following a form. It's having faith in God to believe that God can do what we ask him to do. Faith in God is not a means to acquire anything I want, but it's the means God uses to get us to trust him for everything we need. Do you trust God? Do you have faith in God? The church has become a business institution. We pay our bills on time. We know how to take an offering. But much of what the church does is without faith. Much. Too much of our reasoning and our manipulation and our financial wherewithal is in our church and it moves God out of the center. Church is not a business model. It's a faith venture. Let me say that again. Church is not a business model. Church is a faith venture. If you're ever going to do anything for God and accomplish anything for God, 
It takes faith. Hebrews 11.6 is a great verse. It says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me say that again. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many things in your life, in your church's life, in this church, have we accomplished on our own without faith? We may get a pat on the back. We may honor ourselves. We may say hooray, but I've got news for you. It does not please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That verse goes on to say this. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now I know what the verse says. I don't think what it means is that we must believe that there's a God. We wouldn't be in church if we didn't believe there's a God. Amen? But I think it means that you must believe that he's the same God that's always been God. He's the same God that Moses had. He's the same God that Abraham had. He's the same God that Daniel talked to in the lion's den. He's the same God that gave Moses power in Egypt. He's the same God that said to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. He's the same God. Did they cross the Red Sea or not? Yes. By faith in God. Was Daniel delivered from the lion's den? Yes. By faith in God. Where's our faith? Anybody here want to go to the lion's den? Faith is essential to a prayer life that works. In my church in Michigan, where the Lord allowed me to pastor for 31 years, we started out in a little building on Elms Road. There were nine adults. When I came to candidate, the head of the board said to me, what kind of vote do you want? So I said, I want 100%. He said, we'll never get that. He said, we've never voted 100% on anything. My figure is only nine people. How? Well, the head of the board was out of town. They didn't have absentee ballots. So now there's eight people, amen? They voted eight to nothing to call me. Man, I wish he would have been there. Not really. Our little church 
began to grow, God began to bless our church. We didn't have much of anything. We didn't have much money. We didn't have very good facilities. But a piece of property north of us came up for sale. 26 and a half acres. And so we found out who owned it and one of the board members and I went up to see this woman and she's very wealthy and we asked her if she'd be willing to sell that piece of property. She said yes. She said $245,000. $245,000. I thought she was crazy. I didn't think all the, all the, the land in Elms Road was worth $245,000. We didn't have that kind of money to have anything close to that. So we left. And God began to work on my heart. And every day for couple of months, I would get up in the morning, get in my car, drive to the church, drive up Elms Road, park my car, get out, and kneel at that piece of property and pray that if God wanted us to have the property, we'd get the property. I was praying one day, and one of our men went by, and he stopped and said, Pastor, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm just stopping here to pray. He said, can I pray with you? I said, yeah. Pretty soon there's six or eight of us there praying. Amen? Just asking God to give us the property. We knew we couldn't afford it. We didn't have anything close to that. Our offerings averaged $1,700 a week. And you multiply that times 52, and we didn't have the money. And so we get a call from her lawyer. And he said, something's come up with this property. He said, she has so much property, so many pieces of property in Michigan that she doesn't even know what she owes on the property, whether it's in rears in taxes. She knows nothing. This property was gonna, about to be foreclosed on by the state because she hadn't paid her taxes. So she said, sell it. And he said, well, what should I sell it for? She said, whatever we owe on taxes. They can pay the taxes, they can have the property. $23,000. That was like saying $10 million to me. And they said, there's one thing. This is Friday. We want the money on Monday. So we prayed. I went to the church that morning, stood in that pulpit, said, folks, we can buy that property for $23,000. Amen. I said, the catch is they want it on Monday. That's tomorrow. We can't take promissory notes. 
we need cash. We have to have $23,000. And if God's in it, we'll get it. That night, we took the offering and got $23,600. These are the property. Today, there's, I don't know, probably four or five million dollars worth of buildings on that piece of property. Well, I know how that happened because you're so smart. You figured it out. No, it happened because we decided we couldn't do a thing. But God could do anything. We prayed to God, asked God to intervene, and by faith, he gave us that property. All God's people said. Do you have faith? There's a second thing I think that's needed in a prayer life that works for God, and that's a life of obedience. 1 John chapter 3, it's an interesting little verse. 1 John chapter 3. And verse 22 says this. Listen very carefully to this, word, this verse. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, all God's people said. But wait a minute, there's a catch. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You see that obedience in your life is tied to a successful prayer life? A powerful prayer life. If you're living your life as a Christian any way you want, no wonder your prayers don't go to the ceiling. Prayer isn't a stopgap measure to run to God when you need something. God watches your heart. And he wants to see a heart that's drawn to him. A heart that desires him. The heart wants to walk with him a heart that wants to be around him. He wants a life that's obedient to him. There's a man in my church. We have some folks here from our church in Michigan. They're visiting. And they still want to come and hear me preach. You just couldn't believe it. Actually, they, we only drove one car, so they didn't have any choice. We have a man in our, had a man in our church, his name was Steve Harmon. Now Steve, before he was saved, he was a, a bad guy. He, could, he worked for the shop, General Motors. As soon as he cashed his check, he went to the bar. Then he bought drugs. And he hated church. His mama was in the church. Make a long story short, Steve got saved. And the guys that worked with him in the shop on the line didn't even like to be around him. 
when he got saved, they noticed a difference in him. Amen? He was different. Problem was, some of those things that he still, that he did, he was still trying to get rid of, still holding on to. It's a tough thing sometimes. So he came to me and he said, I want to, Pastor, I want to work on the bus and I want to, I want to bring kids to Sunday school. And I, and uh, he said, but uh, I know you only got one bus. So that's right. He said, well, maybe I could use a car to bring them. I said, that, yeah, you could do that. I said, how are you doing? He said, well, I still got some things in my life I need to clear up. I said, well, Steve, why don't we pray about that? Take care of those things first. So here's what I did. I sent him up to a cabin. 100 miles away, the cabin was 50 miles from nowhere. I put him in that cabin for two weeks with Christian preaching tapes. Wasn't that mean to me? And I said, every time you get an urge to do something, read the Bible, listen to these tapes. He thought I was crazy. Well, he did that for two weeks and came back clean as a pistol, amen? Just, God had taken everything away. It was amazing. And so he said, Pastor, I want to work in the bus ministry. And I said, Amen. I said, uh, he said, but I don't have a car. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't have the, he said, I, I, I need a station wagon. A good station wagon. He said, I don't have a lot of money to put in it, so it has to have a good tires. So it has to have good interior so that it's comfortable. So I like a radio in it. I said, anything else you want? He said, uh, no, but I'm going to pray and ask God for that. And I said, now, Steve, I'm not saying God can't do it, but he said, wait a minute. You told me, don't you hate it when your message, your preaching comes back to haunt you. He said, wait a minute. You told me if I, I, I get my life straightened out with God and I begin to obey God and do what God asked me to do, that I can ask God and God will do what he says. He said, he said you don't believe that? I said, oh, no, no, I believe it. I'm saying, oh, I believe it, but I was going. He goes to work that week. One of the guys that worked with him had been watching his life. And they were just standing there talking. And he said, uh, Steve, he said, do you know anybody that needs a station wagon? Steve said, what kind? A Buick. How many miles on it? He told him it was, weren't very many. He said, I just would like to give somebody that that, that needs that. He said, what do you want for it? He said, $250. He said, $250? What are the tires like? Brand new. Have a radio and a cassette player. How's interior? Very good. What's it look like? It's parked out in the parking lot. 
went out and looked at it, he said, I'll take it. That Wednesday night, Steve came to church. Today, Pastor, I got my car. I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, want to look at it? I said, yeah. When I looked at it, it was better than the car I was driving. I said, that thing's beautiful. I said, how on earth could you afford that? $250. I said, what are you saying to me? He said, I'm saying that you're right. When you get your life straightened out with God, God can do anything. He gave them that car and he began to pick kids up. And he had picked kids up for years, seeing many of them come to Christ. Because he decided one day that he was going to be an obedient Christian. And when he started to talk to God then, God opened the gates of heaven and poured him out a blessing. There was not room enough to receive it. Are you obedient? There's one third thing, I think. I want you to go to Jeremiah. I'm kind of lifting this verse out, but I want to. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. Verse. Eleven says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then, listen to this, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hear and hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. There's such a thing, I think, in prayer of wholeheartedness in prayer where the request is so important a request of such magnitude that nothing is more important than speaking to God about this need. You remember Jesus was on the mount and he was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Men, a man who brought his son to his disciples a lunatic, it says. And he said, I, my son throws himself in the fire. He cuts himself. He's in terrible shape. I took him to your disciples. They couldn't help him. And Jesus miraculously healed him. You remember that? But afterwards, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, why could we not cast him out? 
Jesus paused for a moment and said this. This kind. This kind. Cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. This kind. The kind that only God can meet. The kind of request that you can't figure out. The kind of thing you think can't ever happen. This kind. The miracle kind. This kind. Does not happen except through prayer and fasting. Or may I say a wholehearted approach to prayer. I was raised in a family with a daddy who was lost. He's a big man, 6'6", 300 pounds, wore size uh, 19 shirt. He is a big man. They call him Tiny. He didn't like pastors. He didn't like church. He allowed my mom to go. But he really had no interest in it. In fact, our pastor one day brought by an evangelist to visit with my dad. Evangelist knocked on the door. My dad answered the door. The guy told him who he was. And he said, you have five minutes to get off my porch. Kind of a friendly approach. The guy said, I just want to talk to him. He said, the time's going. He said, you get off my porch, I'll put you off my porch. My dad came out, grabbed him by the arms, and put him off the porch. From that point on, my pastor never came by to visit. I went to a Bible college, lost. Got saved at Bible college, decided to be going to the ministry. My dad was not thrilled about it. Once I got out of college, I went to a church in Florida as an assistant pastor. One morning, my mother called me and said, your dad's very sick, got a bad heart. The doctors are giving him four months to live. Would you pray? I said I would. We had an evangelist that week. His name was Carl Hatch. He was walking down the hallway of the church, and I was walking up the hallway. And he just noticed, and he said, Hey, hey, young man, he said, Are you okay? I said, What do you mean? He said, You don't look so well. Are you okay? I said, Well, I just got some terrible news about my dad. And I told him. I said, He's a lost man. Said he won't have anything to do with church or preachers. He asked me two questions. Said, do you believe God can save your daddy? I said, oh yeah, I believe that. You believe that. God can save anybody, amen? Then he said, do you believe God will save your dad? That's a whole new ballgame. That's a whole new question. 
I said, I don't know. I don't know. He said, I'm going to talk to your pastor and ask him to give you two days off. This was Monday. He said, I want you to go back to your house. He said, I want you to fast and pray. He said, the Bible says, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, shall be done for them of our Father which is in heaven. He said, I'm going to agree with you that God can do what seems to you to be impossible. So I went back to my house, got on my knees, and I prayed. My wife will testify to this. I prayed I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I just prayed. Monday night, Tuesday all day, Tuesday night, Wednesday till Wednesday afternoon. I got up from that prayer time, went to church. Brother Hatch saw me come in the door and he said, will he save you, Daddy? I said, yes, he will. I said, I've just, have such peace in my heart that he'll save him. He said, amen. Go call him. So I called my dad and I said, Daddy, I know you're sick. I know you haven't had much to do with religion, but I love you. And I'm telling you that you need Jesus. Because if you were to die without him, you'll go straight to hell. And he dropped the phone. My mom picked the phone up and said, what did you say to your dad? He's, he was crying and left the room. I said, hang the phone up. She said, what? I said, hang the phone up. She hung the phone up. I dialed my pastor's number. I said, Pastor Lane, I want you to go down and see my dad. He just lived two blocks north of us. He said, why? <laughs> I said, he needs Jesus. He said, well, Lane, you know he's a pretty hard customer. I said, yeah, but he needs Christ. So he went down. And I said this, and I didn't know at the time why I said it, but I do today. I said, when he gets saved, have him call me. About 35 minutes later, I got a phone call. And my dad said, Lenny, this is dad. I knelt down today at my couch and asked Jesus to save me. And he got saved. Four months to the day, he died. There are Christians in this audience, hundreds of you, who have a request that seems impossible to ask. But nothing's impossible with God. You may be struggling in your prayer life, 
because there's some things you need to quit or give up or do differently. You may be the kind of person that always figures it out but has no faith in God. Would you be honest with me this morning? 30 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes. What's prayer like to you? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, this is such an important need such an incredible time that you've brought us together. Lord, you know the hearts of every person sitting in this building. You know their need.